This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by my dad, Warren Tanner. It is from the book of Hebrews entitled, The Thread of Faith. Uh, If you are anywhere in the southern New Hampshire, coastal New England area, unfortunately we are still not meeting in the church building due to uh, the virus. So uh, feel free to check us out on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. You can find all of our archived Shabbat messages that is there. You can also subscribe to my dad's weekly essays that he puts up. Uh, you can put your email in the little email subscribe box. And as always, our theme music is by my buddy Evan Shaw. Feel free to check him out on his website, evanshawmusic.com. And enjoy. Mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does not only away. For soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and All right, well, let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Hebrews 10. This is going to be probably a little different, and I don't know why it's ending up this way, but I'll probably do more instructional talking than preaching, and we're not necessarily even going to go verse by verse through this. I want to kind of give, I think, an overall perspective upon the passage that I want us to look at. So we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start at verse 32, and we'll read in a little bit all the way through chapter 12, verse 8. So that's where we're going to be, Hebrews 10, 32 through 12, 8. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Shabbat. I'm glad that we can be here. I ask that you'll be pleased with our, our fellowship and that it will bring glory to you. Ask that you'll just open up our hearts and our minds and our understanding to the truth and reality of your word. And Father, use it to just create change in us. Help us to just accomplish more than just being here. Uh, But may you, by your spirit, through your word, change us to be more conformed to our Savior, Yeshua. In his name we pray. Amen. All right, so let me just talk for a little bit. I've entitled this The Thread of Faith. You know, if you know anything about the scriptures, when you hit Hebrews 10, the end of it, go through Hebrews 11, it's it's faith. Lots of times, Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith. So I wanted, so I just finished up Hebrews. I actually just finished up James, and now I'm getting into First Peter. But I I just hung out for a little while in this passage of scripture because of this whole concept of faith. Interestingly, I as I see it, don't necessarily go by this, but as I as I kind of try to think of it, I don't know that faith is really succinctly defined for us in the scriptures. You know, I know it's in Hebrews 11, faith is blah blah blah. But I mean that to really, for me anyway, to have okay, this is a definition of faith, and there's like a verse or two that says this is what it is. It doesn't seem to be. Faith doesn't seem to be really succinctly defined for us in Scripture. I think rather, faith is demonstrated. We read through the Word. We see where faith is connected. We see God's people in action and how they're motivated to do things to serve God. 
in, uh, through faith. And so it highlights actions rather than giving us uh, a definition, although you could probably argue it's in there somewhere. It seems to highlight more of uh, the active part of faith. So faith is demonstrated. It's active more so than passive. Faith doesn't always sit around waiting. There comes the time to step out in faith and take action. So it's an action. Faith is an action. It's, it's you know, and it took me a long time to really comprehend that because to me faith was, I'm, I'm waiting on God by faith, I'm trusting God by faith to just kind of be a blob. Well, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a time for that, for sure. I mean, we're to be patient, we're to wait on the Lord, we're to seek Him, we're to seek Him in faith. But there comes a time when sitting around is, is enough, it's already it's too long and, and we need to take action. And we see all throughout the scriptures, and we're going to see in Hebrews 11, that faith is an action verb. It's, it's just action. It's, it's doing something. Also, I think if you think of faith this way, I know I've mentioned this before, but uh, in, in that uh, Herbert, Jan, John, J-A-H-N, uh, messianic translation that I have and others uh, when it's the word faith oftentimes if not all times it will say trust so think of faith as trust and that just really set my mind free and that was actually when we were still living in Arizona and I can remember walking back from I think getting the mail back to our apartment and just thinking about all this and it just struck me wow faith if I think of faith for me, if I think of faith, not faith as I think of it, but trust, that put a whole new light into it. So faith is trust, and you can actually put, probably in most of the incidences, just substitute the word trust, and that's the same concept, because, and they go together. Um, but, but for me, it, that just really, I don't know, set me free as to what this faith is. It's, it's a, faith, faith is a step of trust. Because that's what it is. If you have faith in something, you're trusting. If you have faith in a product, you're trusting. If you have faith in a person, you're trusting. If you have faith in God, you're trusting. And so I like thinking of it that way. Just It might not be any big deal to you, but it really helped me. Now, what is the thread, the common factor of faith? Now, I don't expect you to have any answers for this. But for me, as I got into this, what is the thread or the common factor of faith? And, and I didn't go looking for that. It just kind of struck me this time for whatever reason. The thread or the common factor of faith is death. This concept, this idea of death and dying. Now, it doesn't mean any time you act on faith, you die. But in the ultimate extension of faith, as it seems to be in the scriptures, there's this thread or this this common factor of faith or trust being connected all the way to and ultimately, if need be, to death. Whether it's death in this life or um, death when we actually die. You know, if, if our life is taken from us as we're trying to serve God and we give our life to Him, as like many of the missionaries did, and, you know, killed by the, the savages uh, that they were trying to bring the gospel to. Or if you just live out your life to the point of death, Faith, um, death seems to be a common thread, and I want to try to point that out. And I think this is important. So the common factor is death. Death, um, 
uh, let me get my tongue untied, death from one's faith and or dying in one's faith is the ultimate substance and evidence of our trust. Let me say again. Dying for one's faith and or dying in one's faith is the ultimate substance and evidence of our trust. And, and I mean, think about that. And maybe you're not because I'm, well, the oldest one here. And so when you start getting on this end of things, you and you have friends who've already died and, you know, and you're up now in that age where people are dying, all of a sudden the reality of, for me anyway, Judy doesn't think so. She thinks I'm going to live forever. But for me, the reality of that next step being death is becoming more real. And that happened for me in Arizona. I got the cancer and it made me think of death. Well, okay, so if you're thinking about death, and this might not be an issue for you, when it comes time to contemplate your mortality in light of eternity and everything that we've been taught and everything we say we believe, when it comes to that moment of death, How are you going to be responding? Will there be a calmness? No, Jesus, I'm looking forward to seeing you. Or is there going to be anxiety and a little bit of fear? Some of both. I'm not saying anything's right or wrong, but death, that moment if you're cognizant in which you lived your whole life believing that absence from the body present with the Lord, it's going to happen pretty soon. And for me, I just thought, ah, that's the real test of faith, my faith, trust. Can I trust him, not even just so much in this life, but when death comes? I'll tell you, one preacher, John Piper, says he doesn't fear death, he fears dying. <laughs> I really appreciated that. You know, I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of the dying process that leads up to that. That's what I don't want to have to experience. Um, but, but... For me, anyway, death for one's faith, whether you're martyred or there's a missionary, or dying in one's faith, is the ultimate substance and evidence of our trust, of our faith. All right, now, as we get into Hebrews 11, what we're going to see is some examples of this thread of faith. And for all of them, in one way or another, at least the ones I'm going to mention to highlight, which are all of them until later on, there's there's always there's death. There's this idea of death or dying connected with them. For example, Abel. My thought was he must have known what Cain was possible of doing. You know, here they're brothers, and he must have seen the volatile nature of of Cain. And I, and I have to assume that uh, they must have had some interaction and possibly some words. And I wouldn't be surprised if Abel knew what his brother was capable of. That's just a surmising, but we do know that Abel died, and and it's mentioned along with his faith. Enoch, it doesn't say that he knew he was going to die, but as I got thinking about this, perhaps Enoch knew that he was going to die. I don't know, but he's taken up, and I, I know he doesn't die, but this idea of... Maybe he knew that something was imminent to happen in this life as he knew it was going to be over. And he still mentioned as faith. There was a process of his faith or trusting God even up to that point in time leading up to it when he was translated. Noah, he saw the death of everyone all around him. So his faith that saved his family 
Still, he was involved in being quite aware of the death of those that did not have this faith. Uh, Abraham, you know, I got thinking about him. The uncertainty of his journey must have been fraught with the potential of death. I mean, he traveled a long, long way into an unknown territory, starting out not knowing where he was going. And, you know, it's, 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 it must have been fraught with potential dangers and potential death. At least that's how I'm want to presenting it. We're told in verse 12 that his body was dead. You know, he wasn't able to produce or be viable to have uh, offspring. Also, he took Isaac to sacrifice him. That's verses 17 through 19. Sarah, her womb was dead. It produced no life. So all through this, he and, 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 and so let me say this. They all died in faith. That's what it tells us in Hebrews 11, 13. These all died in faith. That's beautiful. Because death is, is the ultimate thing that one way or another we can say, no, we don't fear, but it's that ultimate unknown. You know, you can grow up in a family like I do where mom and dad say, when you die, you're dead. That's all there is to a tip. When you're dead, you're dead. There's nothing after that. Oh, I heard that a million times. So I get saved and say, no, there's more to it. No, you're dead, you're dead. That's all there is. There's nothing to it. Well, I don't know. There's a faith involved in that, I suppose. Um, but anyway, they, these people, they all died in faith. And then, if you continue on with the rest of the chapter, the element of death and dying hangs over it all. There's this whole element, this whole feeling, this whole sense of death and dying throughout the rest of the chapter. Now, it's, it's happening. We're told that they hadn't yet resisted unto blood, these, these, uh, unto death, unto blood, these, these Hebrews that uh, were being written to, but, but the, the specter of it, the, on the horizon of it, the potential of it was out there. And, and he's trying to get them prepared for it. He's saying, right now, you're babes in the faith. You should, you should be on where you are, but I have to feed you with milk and you can't take strong milk. Me, you need to be beyond this because times are coming that are going to be difficult. You've not yet resisted unto death, but there's been some difficult times. How are they going to make it through this? It's faith. It's faith. Our trust in our Father, our Heavenly Father, through our relationship with Yeshua is what is going to bring us through to the end. All right. Now, we're going to read this in a little bit. And this may end up being shorter than I thought. All right. Let me give you two outlines. First off, an overall, overall outline, which is not what we're going to follow, but just to kind of help you put this passage together. All right. Hebrews 10, 30... 2 through 39 is the introduction to faith. In other words, it, it, that section is preparing us to get into chapter 11 where it talks about faith. So 1032 through 39 is introduction to faith. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 is the explanation or illumination of what faith is. Faith is a substance, and he talks about that. Then verses 4 through 40 are the illustrations of faith. And then chapter 12, 1 through 8, is the exhortation to faith. So that's just a good working, as I put it together, that's how I saw it, a good working overall outline of this passage of Scripture. You have the introduction to faith, 10, 32 through 39. Explanation of faith, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Illustrations of faith, 4 through 40. Exhortation to faith, 12, 1 through 8. Now, the outline, if I end up preaching any of this, this is what it is, all right? 
in relation to our faith or trust. First, our faith gives witness to God the Creator. That's 11, 1 through 3. Our faith gives witness to God the Creator. And that's wonderful. I'll just say probably what I'm going to say now. But if you think about it, because we bear the name of Yeshua, and because we say we believe the Word of God, and we believe that there is a God, we are, through our faith, giving witness to the fact that God is a Creator. Now, to us, that's no big deal. But if you're out in the lost world with unsaved people, any more, and even in our country, the notion that God is a Creator, that that. This isn't all random chance and happenstance and the Big Bang and all this stuff, evolution. It, we're becoming more and more in the minority. And, and, and it's almost like God's taking us, us as believers back to the beginning because it's at the beginning where God creates that he gives the greatest evidence of who he is. And so for those of us that are saved by grace through faith, one of the greatest things we can do is to be a living witness of God's creative powers. He created all that there is and beyond that we can see. But there's also the element of the new birth, the new creation. We are new creatures, new creations in Christ. So we have the blessed privilege through our faith to demonstrate and show and tell to this world when everybody around you is saying, to the contrary, no, God created this. Well, how do you know? Because he made me a new creature in Jesus Christ. I was born again. And when I was saved, it really answered so many questions. And that's what I tell folks. You know, there was a fellow in, in, our, in our church that came regularly who was lost. And I went to visit him in the hospital. And he was telling me how he didn't believe the Bible, didn't believe all that stuff, and no, it's and even though his wife was saved and his kids were saved, and they all went to our church, but he was not saved. He lay, he laid there in the hospital and said, "Nope, don't believe it. It's not true." And I told him, "Mister so and so, I was the exact same way." And his eyes started to light up. I said, "But you know what made a difference for me?" when I experienced the new birth, when I was made a new creation in Christ, and that supernatural transformation that happened inside of me answered all those questions that Mr. So-and-so you have. And I must have been the only one that ever said that to him because that caught his attention and made him for the first time think rather than in the past have some kind of quip to come back with. We, because of our faith, are the strongest witness to the two greatest aspects of the creation of God, this world, this universe, everything, and then that God created a new life in us if you're saved and born again. And we've lived with this for so long that even our new birth isn't as uh, life-changing, altering, mind-blowing to us anymore. And, and that saddens me because we've gotten so accustomed to what we have, we don't even really know what we have. And I, you know why? Because our faith has not been tested like these people in Hebrews 11, where they had to put all on the line and say, I'm either in or out, my faith is real or it's not. And they had to put it to the test, and it was very real, tangible for them. It's too easy for us. All right, so that's our first point. Our faith gives witness to God the Creator, 11, 1 through 3. Second, our faith provides the vehicle for our ongoing sanctification. Our faith provides the vehicle for our ongoing sanctification. 
That's verses 4 through 40. So when you read through all that and all the illustrations, what you're really reading about is their growth process, their development process, this, their, their continual ongoing sanctification process where, where they are becoming more what God wants them to become like Him. And, and the way He does that is through all these trials. So we, we don't want to go through hard times. We don't want to go through trials. But the Bible seems to indicate that's when our sanctification, that is the inworking, the working out, the conforming us to Christ, the making us whom God wants us to be, that sanctification, the sanctifying process. We're sanctified at salvation, but there's this process of ongoing sanctification. Well, it comes through the testings of our faith. Listen, we all want to think we're doing, you know, I'd have the same level of faith and prosperity as I would in persecution. No, it's totally different. And I would say, based on the, the people from Russia that came in that we were supporting, they came over and they deplored the condition of Christianity in America. A year later, they're worse than we are. Well, in Russia, they were strong with their faith because they had to They had to have miniature little Bibles. They had to hold meetings in secrets. Their faith was palatable. It was on the edge all the time. And that strength in their faith that came over here, decried the state of Christianity here, a year later, they were worse off than we were. You can't do it in prosperity. It's difficult. So God chooses to use trials. And then the third point, our faith is the ultimate evidence of our salvation. And that's 12, 1 through 8. Because he, he goes on and says, he says if, if you're not experiencing chastisement, then you're, you're bastards, you're not children. You're, you're illegit- illegitimate. So, What's that one again? Faith. Our faith is the ultimate evidence of our salvation, 12, 1 through 8. So basically, that's the message. Now, what I want to do with all that as a backdrop is read it. I'm going to try to read it slowly, and I want you to think. So the overall outline is 10, 32 through 39. We're being introduced to the concept of faith. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, it's the explanation or the illumination of faith. 4 through 40, the illustrations of faith. 12, 1 through 8, the exhortations of faith. And then everything that I just said. Our faith gives witness to God the Creator. Our faith provides a vehicle for our ongoing sanctification. Our faith is the ultimate evidence of our salvation. All right, now, I know that's a lot. But the common thread to uh, our faith, our trust, is this death of dying. And it's all throughout scriptures. You know, ask yourself, are you willing to die for your faith? We say, oh, yes, of course. All right, let me ask you this. Are you willing to lose your job because of your faith? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to lose family members for your faith? Huh? Are you willing to lose a spouse or children for your faith because of your faith? See, oh, yes, I'll die for my faith but that somehow the living out of our faith in which there's a death exper- death-like experience, that's hard to, to lose your job because of your faith. I mean, we have to think of it that way. It's very real. It's very tangible. It's not just when that moment comes. Although, and you can't see it when you're young, that moment's going to come. 
And everything you said that you believe is going to go flashing before your eyes. And you're going to be sitting there saying, boy, I hope, I hope. But even Paul says, even if in this world we had hope, if only in this world we had hope, we'd be of all men. How does he say that? Most miserable? Most miserable. But, anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here. All right, so let's, let's read this. And then I'll say a few concluding thoughts and we'll be done. But it's a beautiful, beautiful section of Scripture. All right, 1032. But call to remembrance the former days, in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them, that were so used, in other words, by association. For ye had compassion on me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have a he- that I'm sorry, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. So they were already starting to lose their possessions. Thirty-five. Cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he shall come, uh, sorry, for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now, the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But ye are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, here's the connection, he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should afterward receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. 
Therefore there sprang there even of one in him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky a multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not, re, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly. Wherefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, when, uh, sorry, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence he also received him in a figure. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians is saying to do were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she received the spies with peace. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, Stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might attain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, and in mountains, and in dens, in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame he died, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endures his contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastiseth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. So that's pretty powerful stuff. And he's laying it all out before them. I mean, I, I, every time I read this, I think, oh, I don't even know what I think. I mean, they had trial of cruel mockings. They had scourgings. They were put in prison. They were stoned, sawn in half, tempted. They were slain with a sword. They had to wear sheepskins and goat skins. They, they wandered in deserts. We lived out in Arizona. That would be horrible. And in mountains. They lived in dens and caves of the earth. I'm here to say I'm not so sure our faith is on that level, although we might want to think so. But we're being faced with this COVID crazy 19 stuff. We've thought about scenarios of what to do, where to go, what can we do. Yeah, go here, go there, do that. Uh, Yeah, it's not quite that simple. And these people... Yeah, oh yeah, look at jo- look at Sally. Her husband came home the other day. He's alive. Only to find out my husband didn't make it. He was sawn in half. I don't know if we can even comprehend what the level of true faith really expects of us because we've had it so good. And we still believe, because we're in America, it's always going to be okay. And I think we're still, though we don't think so, and maybe not completely, but because we had ingrained into us through dispensational theology that when the bad comes, we'll be out of here. Like my former pastor told me just a couple weeks ago when we were talking about, ah, we're going to be out of here, Brother Warren. I didn't dare debate it. But that belief that says, even if it's going to get bad, it's not going to be bad for us somehow. We'll be out of here, or it won't be so bad for us because God will take care of us, and he'll provide, and, and, and he'll make everything work good for us. That's not the truth. And I have to ask myself, Warren, what level of faith do you have? Can't stand to the, to, we can't stand the scrutiny of not wearing a mask when we're really saying, this is absolutely stupid, why wear a mask? And to actually not wear a mask. To us, that's a big deal. We're walking through the store and people looking at us. And there's no, you don't have a mask. It's basically what they're saying. We, we know the little bit of trauma that even comes with that. And yet we're going to stand for our faith? I throw I don't know. <laughs> uh, so I'm not beating this up. I'm just trying to say, there's a, at least for me a little bit of a wake-up call to see how our country and the world has gone to hell so quickly. 
and it's unraveled on a worldwide scale to never return. If you read my blog on John Adams when he was writing to his wife back during the Revolutionary War, he said, if you give up a, a constitutional freedom, you will never get it back. We're not going back, folks. This genie's not going back in the bottle. This is 9-11, only this time it's in a bigger scale, the aftermath, and it's going to be worldwide, and there's no reset button to fix this, and our faith is going to be challenged and tested. And I'm not exactly sure how, but it's coming. And if you don't want to believe that or accept that, I understand that. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I see things. Now, let me just kind of wrap this up with a few concluding thoughts. Trust, faith, is the strongest, most fundamental, and most important element of any relationship. Trust is the most important thing. You have co-workers that you trust. You have a mate that you trust. As a police officer, you have a, a partner that you trust. Everything that we have, we can understand this, every relationship that we have is built upon trust. So it is with God. Our relationship with Him on our end is trusting Him. And in a sense, maybe we could say His relationship with us, is, with us is, can I trust you to go through this? Trust, faith, is the strongest, most fundamental, and most important element of any relationship. Trust is also the most vulnerable, scariest, potentially devastating element of any relationship. Excuse us. And all of us have experienced this. To be betrayed in a trust is devastating. Whether it's by a co-worker that says, no, it's good, you don't, you don't have to worry. You know, if I'm asked, Whatever level. I, I don't even know how you think about it. But we've all had it in minor instances where you thought you could trust that individual. Only to find out, maybe not so much. Trust is the most vulnerable, scariest, potentially devastating element of any relationship. The thing that makes trust work is acceptance and forgiveness. Because... Sooner or later, we all violate that element of trust in a small way or a big way. So what keeps any relationship together? It's first off acceptance, but it's also the idea of forgiveness. And God does the same thing with us, right? We fail Him, we break the trust, we don't obey, we don't do what He says. But He still accepts us and He still forgives us. And that's how we're to live out any relationship we have. How many times should I forgive the Lord? Seven times seven? No, 70 times seven. What's that talking about? That relationship will and can endure the most intense thing if you will accept and forgive. And God does that for us every single day as individuals. The single component for all trust in all of this for the believer is our Savior and our relationship in and through Him. All right, now, remember what the thread of faith is as I'm laying, laying it out. It's death and dying. You know, Paul said, I die daily. It's, it's everywhere. It's just everywhere. The thread of faith is this idea or concept of death and dying. To be able to 
accept the reality. If any man will come after me, let him take up his cross daily and come follow me. Yeshua said one of the very first qualifiers and quantifiers that he laid out there for faith and trusting him. Death is a daily taken up across the potential of death. All right. What's this mean? Dying to ourself. Paul, I die daily. Dying to our expectations and even our hopes. We have to let it all go. Dying to our need for vengeance or self-justification. These are all things we struggle with. We have to die to it. Dying already to this life so that when, when it comes to our time to face death, we can do it without fear and in complete trust. The key to our faith is our daily death. Now, I want to end with something that I always mention, if I can do this. Remember, I, I talk often about in that uh, series, the mini-series, Band of Brothers. There's this one incident that I've alluded to many, many times, where Captain Spears is talking to Private Blythe. And Captain Spears ends up telling him what it's going to take to be able to function like the soldier Blythe should, because as I'm going to read to you, Blythe was scared when he landed on D-Day, and he's been living with this fear, and it's hampered him. All right, so I'm going to read this to you. Just hang with me. So um, Blythe is coming back, I think, from somewhere, and Captain Spears, they just happened to meet. I'll say the last name for each one as they're said. So, so it, uh, it's the identification if you come upon somebody. You, you know, the password, flash, you have to respond. So that's where we are. Spears, flash, Blythe, thunder, thunder, Lieutenant Spears, sir. He's taken by surprise. Where are you going, Private? Spears says. Blythe, check out the noise, sir. Spears, I just came from there. Everything's under control. Blythe, yes, sir. Spears, you got some nervous privates in your company. Blythe, we, we do, sir. Yeah, we do. I, I can vouch for that. Spears, they just don't see how simple it is, Blythe. Simple? What is, sir? Spears, just do what you have to do, Blythe. Like you did on D-Day, sir, Lieutenant? Sir, when, when I landed on D-Day, I found myself in a ditch all by myself. I fell asleep. I think it was... It was the air sickness pills they gave us. When I woke up, I really didn't try to find my unit to fight. I just, I just kind of stayed put. Spears, what's your name, Trooper? Blythe. Blythe, sir. Albert Blythe. Spears, you know why you hid in that ditch, Blythe? Blythe, I was scared? Spears, we're all scared. You hid in that ditch? Because you think there's still hope. But Blythe, the only hope you have is to accept the fact that you're already dead. And the sooner you can accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier's supposed to function. Without mercy, without compassion, without remorse. All War depends on it. So transpose that into the Christian existence. 
we are not going to be the soldiers for Christ we're supposed to be until we already accept the fact there's no hope and we are dead. That's how faith, and that is the only way faith can survive and act and be functional if we are already dead. Because it's taken a step of faith trust to lay down our life. I die daily, Paul. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Folks, listen, we're going to have to die. I don't know what that means. I don't know how to explain that. I don't know what it's going to look like, but we somehow have to start weaning ourselves off of the life we so much want to hold on to. And little by little by little, start taking steps to be able to survive without that one thing we want or that one thing to be prepared. Everything in the Bible says that we are engaged in a warfare. We're supposed to be prepared. You can't help but read Paul's writings without coming away with the fact we are soldiers for Christ, not cruise participants. For Christ. But our mental problem, our mental state is where we're hung up right now. So faith, what's what's the thread through it all as we look through Hebrews 11 and the rest of the scriptures? Death. If a, if a soldier can realize that's what has to be done in an actual war to survive and be all that you should be, that's the same mindset we need to have for our Savior, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Pull us together, please. Make it live. Touch each one of us in however you need to. Thank you for working in my heart and really starting to help me to take the blinders off of my own eyes and to try to be honest with myself. Father, please prepare us to be good soldiers and help us to be looking for our Savior and perhaps a soon return. In his name we pray, amen. Hey.